Hey, this is Billy McPeak, pastor of Grace Point Church. And this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you and motivates you. I hope it builds your faith. I pray it gives you a perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. I want to uh, take you for just a moment to uh, John chapter 14. And I've got a few scriptures this morning that I want us to uh, read before we get very deep into the word. I'll tell you this today that I am I am not a I am not an expert on what's going on in the world, but I do know the word of God and I know my God. And I know what God tells me and how God speaks to me. And oftentimes our fear speaks louder than the word of God and it keeps us from doing the things that we ought to do on um, spiritual matters. And so uh, verse uh, uh, John chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. So he says, don't be troubled. I've got a place prepared. There's a scripture that <laughs> speaks deep to me, and um, I, I didn't take the time to look it up. It says, but they love not their life unto the death. And it means basically that they gave their heart and their life to God in everything that they did. And they weren't fearful concerning things that were happening to them and around them. Uh, John chapter uh, 14, just skip down just a few uh, verses of scripture, verse 26 through 27. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, or which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so he says, listen, there's going to be some things that's going to happen in this world that's going to shake you to your core. But I've given you peace. And that peace comes through the helper, which is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Now, the Holy Spirit, the, the, that name is paraclete, means one who comes alongside. He comes alongside to help you. And so he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so I, I would say today that we are living in troubled times. We are living in troubled times. And it's a phrase that we hear often. I remember in the seventh grade uh, doing a report, uh, one that I can actually remember doing. And uh, that, that report was concerning world events. And in those world events, I had to go to the newspaper, and in the newspaper, I found a story of an attack upon Lebanon. I didn't know what Lebanon was. I didn't know where Lebanon was. I didn't know anything about the Lebanese people. I didn't know anything about the Middle East or Europe or anything of that nature. All I was concerned about was my backyard and where I lived. 
And so it was, it was quite a stretch for me to actually go to the paper and glean some kind of information about a world event. But one thing I do remember about this world event was that there was an attack up on Lebanon and that fighter jets had flown over and they had dropped bombs or whatever. And, and uh, just brings me back to uh, the understanding of where we are today in that even looking at prior times and then looking at our day as well, there have, there's always been some type of calamity or situation either on a local level or on an international level. And so we've dealt with it. You know, we've, we've heard people say, well, Lord, come quickly. And that's a biblical term. Um, you know, these statements, when you look at them, they're not false. But I'm, I'm sure that if um, our, our Lord desired us and a desire to take us out of these troubled times, um, uh, that's not exactly what he meant when he said, let not your hearts be troubled. And so it's not so much an escape out of, it's more or less um, understanding where your God is in the midst of and knowing where God's power is available to your life and, and for your lives. And so Jesus says um, in the word, in, in verse 27 of John chapter 14, he says, Peace I live, leave with you. And then he says, My peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. He didn't say, My peace I will give to you. As followers of Christ, he's promising peace in the here and now. Amen. The word declares... In Isaiah 26 and 4, he says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And it gives a reason for the peace that you have. It says, Because he trusts in you. Capitalize you, the why, the you. He says, He trusts in you. He's trusting in the presence of God in his life. I'll tell you, you just mentioned today that 2020 has been anything but normal. Uh, and this new year has brought an uncertainty of new pain and a new virus that has shown up and thrown the world into a cyclone of fear. Uh, the media frenzy is comparable to a pack of hyenas devouring their prey. Social media has done its part to spread fear as well. And I, I spoke to my wife on the way to church this morning. And I, I just told her, I said, you know, years ago we would read it in the newspaper and that was about the last time you would see it or you would see it on the, the 5 o'clock or the 10 o'clock news and then you could, you could kind of get sleep during the night and if you didn't watch TV the rest of the day, you didn't really worry about it or think about it much more than that. But you have it at your fingertips on that device you have in your wallet or in your pocket. As soon as you uh, uh, flip on Facebook, there it is. And you know, people saying this and that and all these varied ideas about what's happening. And so it's so readily available. It's in our face. And, and for some people, it has caused a fear to grip their heart. A panic has stricken in the lives of, of people locally and internationally. Uh, my wife went to Walmart and Sam's the other day. She wasn't going because they said you need to buy toilet paper because it's going to run out. She went because it was time for the supply to be replenished. 
And uh, we always keep plenty of TP in the house. We, we don't want to go back to Sears and Roebuck magazines. And so she went and there was none on the shelf. Fear had gripped the hearts of people. I'm going to run out of toilet paper. I'm going to run out of sanitation wipes. We're going to run out of all of these things that we need. And, and there's a frenzy in people that's causing them to do these things. The stock markets around the world have lost trillions of dollars in value and entire cities are quarantined. Heard someone say, man, I lost $40,000 in the stock market in just one day. I had a friend of mine years ago during uh, the last recession that we had lost $300,000 in one day in, in the stock market. He was banking on those shares to, to build a building. They went from $30 a share to $3 a share. The, the coronavirus originated, we, we all know, in Wuhan, China, and now is rapidly spread over to over 100 com- countries, Asia, Europe, North America, and the Middle East. And, and according to statistics, 100,000 people have been infected, resulting in thousands of deaths of older people, un- underlying health problems. And it's, a, it's a global pandemic is what the CDC has said. So it's, it's out there. It's, a, it's, it's not something that we're not um, privy of. But here, here's one of the facts that uh, struck me yesterday. And I don't watch a whole lot of TV, don't watch a whole lot of news, but I did catch this as I was going out the door. And it was, and it was a... It was a um, it was a news pundit giving the, the uh, statistics on the flu in the United States. And it said this. It said, the flu in America has, at this, in this season, has affected 300,000 people and taken the lives of 22,000 people. That's the flu. Now, that's quite a, few, that's quite a number of people, 22,000 people, 300,000. Now, I do understand that uh, the, the, the percentages and the effect of what they're calling the uh, Coronavirus is, is 10 times more, uh, uh, I guess, uh, able to be uh, received in someone's life than that of the flu. But um, the flu has affected 300,000 and taken the lives of 22,000. As of this morning, there are at least 2,885 coronavirus cases in the United States. 200. 2,885 in the 49 United States, Puerto Rico, the U.S. Virgin Islands, and Washington, D.C. At least 60 people have died. And as of Saturday, uh, West Virginia remained the only state without any confirmed cases. So uh, the statistics are are fairly low there. They're expecting it to get higher. And uh, that remains to be seen. Uh, Our president has tasked Vice President Mike Pence was stopping the virus here in the United States. We're hopeful that he can do that. We're hopeful that the task force that they put together can make things happen. There's a lot of speculation afoot, but um, unless theoretically there's world markets that that are crumbling and the Dow Jones uh, continues to nosedive and there's just stoppages and things that are happening all over our world. Uh, universities are shutting down, churches are shutting down, but I'm, I'm telling you right now, Walmart hasn't shut down and the movie house was pretty full last night when I went by. I know you didn't look, but I did. (laughs) I got to. And uh, 
And so it's in, it's in situations like these that it's very easy to lose faith and to live in fear of the headlines and the unknowns. And that, that global uncertainty has now reached into the United States. And it has actually reached into the churches in the United States and it's gripping the hearts of people. When it, when it reached Singapore, the, the government and citizens responded well and the collective efforts of, of that nation um, won international praise. But, but church responses are mixed. And uh, several continued with su- Sunday services this year with added precautions. And that's what we've done. We've said, hey, wash your hands. You ought to wash your hands. You know, I mean, that's just something that you do. But uh, some churches su- suspended services altogether. All and and some, ch- some pastors are promising, listen, if you're a believer, God will not allow the virus to touch you. That's what some are saying. Other pastors are saying this is God's judgment on sinful cities and arrogant nations. So there's a lot of speculations as to uh, what's going on around in the world today. Um, a pastor, Pastor Laurie, wrote Friday in an Instagram post. He wrote these words. He says, there seems to be a lot of fear in America right now. Greg Laurie's pastor um, of a large church in California, uh, noted evangelist and pastor, and he said, there seems to be a lot of fear in America right now, especially in light of the COVID-19 He said, listen, the promises of God are still true, and God is bigger than the coronavirus. Amen. 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 God is bigger than the coronavirus. He is. And so he says, listen to the medical experts and take appropriate measures. Wash your hands, your face. He said, but we need to replace our fear with faith and pray for our nation that God will protect us. Philippians chapter 4 reminds us, don't worry about anything and pray for everything. Amen? Amen? Don't be worrying about anything, but pray for anything. One of my favorite scriptures in the Old Testament is Psalm 91, verses 1 through 9. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Listen, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes you shall look and you shall see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. Amen. He says, don't be afraid of the pestilence. Don't be afraid of what they're saying. Don't run in fear. Don't cower. Don't let that trembling fear overtake your faith. So so the question is, is how do Christians make sense of a viral epidemic like this one? How how do we make sense of all this? Because listen, we've all got to go to work tomorrow. 
I'm going to the workplace tomorrow. You're going to the workplace tomorrow. And I understand the workplaces are putting certain measures in place. And, and um, we're, we're even doing that in my office. And they were asking me about it on Friday. What can we do to limit activity in the office? And what can we do to keep certain, you know, from just coming through and just pilfering through and going, you know, how can we, how can we uh, exchange money without actually exchanging money? You know, <laughs> we got a way to do that, but not everyone uh, does it that way. And it's called, cat, you know, it's called uh, online giving. But, um, you know, some people want to give cash. So how can you do that? How can we limit that? And how can we put measures in place? And so uh, there, there's, there's this friend of, of fear or, or wanting to cleanse the marketplace in order that we can keep ourselves in some kind of sterile environment away from the virus. And, uh, and, and here's the thing. We do everything we can do. If you don't clean your house, you don't sweep your floor, you don't close up the cupboards and, and uh, close up those cereal boxes or you leave sugar laying on the counter all the time, eventually you're going to have some rodents in there and some roaches running around and ooh, I don't like roaches and uh you know and so we we're all about being clean and and uh cleanliness and all of those things but uh, the fact of the matter is is that when fear grips the heart of an individual or fear grips the heart of the church or fear grips the heart of a nation it's difficult and I would say impossible to walk in faith it's impossible to walk in faith if you're operating in fear and so how do we make sense of this i want to start with an empirical historical and clear biblical fact and um, the, the empirical fact is that on the lord's day sunday december 26 2004 over 200,000 people were killed in a tsunami by a tsunami in the Indian Ocean. Anybody remember that? I remember it. It was a Sunday. They were in church. They were gathered for worship. That's a historical fact. Just because they were in church didn't keep them from experiencing the tsunami. That sort of thing happens to Christians. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. It happens. And so throughout the history of the church, there's been those times when those things have happened. The biblical fact is this. Mark 4 and 41, even the wind and the seas obey him. I think we need to define who the him is. The him is Jesus. Amen. That was true then, it's true today. Jesus is still the supreme potentate over all the affairs of humanity. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when we put these two facts together, the historical fact and the biblical fact, you get this truth. Jesus could have stopped the natural disaster in 2004, but he didn't. He could have, but he didn't. And I could say the same thing about the coronavirus. Jesus has all knowledge. He has all authority over the natural and supernatural forces of the world. He knows where this virus started. He knows where it's going next, and he knows where it's going to lay down. Amen. He has complete power to restrain it or not. And that's what's happening. He has the power to restrain it or not. Neither sin nor sickness nor Satan 
nor sabotage is stronger than Jesus. And he'll never be backed into a corner. He is never forced to tolerate what he does not will. Psalm 33 and 1 says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. And so God's not lost his power. Job said this in Job 42 and 2. He says, I know that you can do all things (laughs) and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. So Job says, listen, I'm in the midst of what I'm going through. I've lost everything that this world had afforded me. He said, but Lord, I know know you know where I'm at. And I know that you can do all things. And I know that no purposes of yours can be thwarted. God, what is your purpose in what I'm going through? What's your purpose in the coronavirus? Lord, what's your purpose in what's going on in the world today? Because I can tell you today that there are two purposes that are happening right now. One is God's and one is the enemy's. And the devil's wanting to inflict fear and God's wanting to increase faith. Your faith will never be increased if you're never confronted with an issue that's greater than you are. Amen? How many has ever had to deal with something that was greater than what you were? Amen. But this seems to uh, come to uh, rise to proportions outside of that which we have uh, been uh, privy to in the past or something that we have um, experienced in the past. And this one seems to uh, run out of bounds in our mind. And we have to be very careful about how we deal with it. So the question is not then whether or not Jesus is overseeing or limiting or guiding and governing all the disasters and diseases of the world, including all the sinful and satanic dimensions. He is. God's in control. The question is, is how are we to understand this? How do we make sense out of it? What does it speak to me? So I'm going to give you four biblical realities Um, that we can use as building blocks in our effort to understand and to make sense out of all of it. Number one is this. We are all subjected to futility. According to the Word of God, Romans chapter 8, we're all subjected to futility. When sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve, God ordained into the created order, including our physical bodies as individuals created in His image, that we would experience corruption and futility, meaning that eventually all living things would experience death. You can't put it off. It's going to happen. You You can put it off for a little while, but it's going to happen. We're all going to go the way of the grave. So as Christians, even though we are being saved through the gospel of God's grace, we do not escape this physical corruption, futility, and death. The basis of this point is Romans 8, 20 through 23. The Bible says this, the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him, speaking of God who subjected it in hope that the creation will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Amen. Hallelujah. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of 
of childbirth unto now. But here's the key verse for us as Christians, verse 23. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly, waiting for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So there's something that we're looking for. We know that we've been created or we've been saved for something more than where we are right now. And so the day is coming when all creation will be set free from the bondage to disease and disaster and death. They're going to inherit the freedom of the glory of the children of God. But until then, Christians, Paul says, even we who have the Spirit grown with all creation, sharing in the corruption and futility and disease and disasters and death as we wait with the groaning for the redemption of our bodies. And that happens at the resurrection. There's coming a day, amen, when all who are in the grave will rise at the voice at the last trump of God. So we have a hope. We have a joy. We have a promise. The difference for Christians, the difference for Christians who trust in Christ is that our experience of this corruption is not condemnation. Romans 8 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation. To them who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. The pain for us is purifying, not punitive. God has not destined us to wrath. Amen. Now, many of you, we know we've got loved ones that have passed on and they were Christians. They were saved. If anybody was saved, they were saved. And they, they died of some disease. We all experience uh, death, disease and death like all men, not necessarily because of any particular sin in our life, and that's really important. Some people look and say, well, if you didn't have that sin or you didn't have that sin or you didn't do this or, you know, all of these things, and that's the reason why you've got this in your life. I've seen God use disease as a purifying aspect to get somebody to straighten out, but sometimes disease comes along and, and it takes just the best among us. I've seen it do it. There was, there, was, there was not any uh, sin in their life. There was not anything out of, out of ordinary in their life. It wasn't that they weren't loving God. They were loving God with everything that was in them. And they loved God all the way to the end. Amen. And so it wasn't punishment to them. We die of disease like all people, like other people. But for those who are in Christ, the sting of death is removed. The sting of death is removed. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You've got victory in him. Amen. The second, the second thing um, that we see after understanding what's going on and, and trying to understand what is going on is is sickness as mercy. God sometimes inflicts sickness on his people as a purifying and rescuing judgment, not as condemnation, but as an act of mercy for his saving purposes. And I've seen him do this. I've seen him do that before. God loves us enough to not allow us to stay in the places where we are so that he can bring us back into um, communion with him. You say, well, that's, that's deep, Pastor. But it happens. It's a purifying effect. 
Some die of illness, so the Bible says, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. If he can do that to a few he can, in Corinth, then, then he can do that to many. You say, well, you, what, are you, what are you saying, Pastor? Just stay with me. Amen. Look, let's look at building block number three. Sickness as judgment. Sickness comes. The Bible, the Bible says in, in Acts chapter 23 that immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down, speaking of Herod, because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last breath. See, God sometimes uses disease to bring particular judgments upon those who reject him and give themselves over to sin. And we find that here in Herod in Acts chapter 12. See, God can do that with all who exalt themselves, and which means we should be amazed at what's happening in our world today because of the exaltation of man and the proliferation of sin that runs so rampant like a disease in our world. We've allowed a lot of things to happen that shouldn't be happening. And the world will do what the world does. But let me tell you, the church should not be doing what the world is doing. And we should not be adopting the practices that the world's adopting. <laughs> I know I'm not going to get an amen on that. But praise God, it should be true in the lives of individuals. The world needs to look to the church as a safe haven, as a place where I can run to, amen, to get away from the calamity that's going around it. But if we're running in fear, just like the world's running in fear, then they have no place to run. And they have no reason to ask you of your hope that you have. Amen. Building block number three, number four, uh, God's thunderclap. All natural disasters, whether floods, famines, locusts, tsunamis, or, or diseases, are a thunderclap of divine mercy in the midst of judgment. You said, Pastor, you're, you're sounding really serious this morning. Well, you know, it's time to get serious about a relationship with God. You know, God's calling the people everywhere to repent, to realign their lives by grace with the infinite worth of the glory of God. And instead of running and, and seeking God, many of us are running and finding a hiding place. But this is a thunderclap of God. God uses these things to get our attention at times. God uses these things to open our understanding to spiritual powers and spiritual enlightenments. I believe the church is past due for a, a move of God. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I, I understand there's churches on every corner. We've got churches filled up all over the land. We've got the greatest of preachers, the greatest of singers, the, the most talented of, of orators. But we need, we, need a, we need a dynamic move of the Holy Spirit like we've never seen in a long time. Amen. We need a supernatural move of God's Spirit. We need, we need people of God to rise up in times like this and say, listen, my God is greater than this. My God is more powerful than this. My Bible says that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I can ask or think. I'm not going to cower in fear. I'm not going to hide my head in the sand and, 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 just, and just say, listen, it's, it's not happening. I understand what's happening around us. It's not like it's not happening, but... Praise be to the Lamb of God. It's time for the church to rise up in power. It's time for the church to rise up in faith. It's time for the church to get a backbone in the face of a calamity and pestilence in the land and say, my God is able to keep me. 
You know, you get to a point in life where you're really not afraid of dying. Amen. Because death is indeed swallowed up in victory. I got to tell you this today. My wife's got it better off if I'm dead. Amen. You know, a life insurance policy that I pay every month that I renewed just a few weeks ago. Amen. I want to make sure she's taken care of, you know. Amen. And so I'm, I'm worth more dead than alive. Amen. But I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not fr- afraid of, of leaving here. Amen. Amen. I know where my reward is. I know who my God is. Amen. If he chooses to take me by the coronavirus, then that's just the way that I'm going to go. I'm going to wash my hands. I'm going to wash my feet. I'm going to purify my body. I'm going to elbow bump. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. Amen. But praise be to the Lamb of God. I'm not going to run in fear. I'm not going to cower down in a corner. Amen. I'm not going to stop loving you. I'm not going to stop reaching out to you. I'm not going to stop raising my hands or shaking your hand amen praise God I'm going to give the glory to God and so I see this today as an eye-opening experience for God to get the attention of his people and the attention of this world a thunderclap is used as something startling or unexpected an eye-opening to bring people back to a recognition of who God is and I believe that, that we, we really need an encounter with him. I, I'm not, a, I'm not a, uh, a Debbie Downer or uh, one that likes to prey upon the, the generation and say that they don't know God or anything like that. But there is in this generation a segment of Christianity that knows God in theory but not in reality. We know God in songs that we sing, but we haven't experienced him fully in the way that he wants us to experience him in power. I was thinking the other day as all this was running through the media and the attention was just giving it height, heightened attention. I was listening to Christian radio, and, and they were doing a great job on Christian radio and, and just uh, trying to calm people's fears and keep people afloat and awake. And, but some of the songs that were coming on, and, and uh, they, they, they didn't really speak to the power of God, and it was almost to the fact, I wonder where that person is you know, in, in, during, this, uh, during this crisis. Uh, I wonder how their relationship with God is during this crisis because um, I, I want to get to a point where... Uh, I understand and know that my God is able, that my God is more than enough, that my God has all power and authority over everything and every disease and every sickness. I, I was at the office the other day, and they were talking about um, all of, all, you know, just all of the shutdowns in all the different places, and there was a panic that was in that office. There was a fear that was in that office, but there was also a question mark that was on the foreheads of, of people because they couldn't understand why uh, certain churches were shutting down all over the land. And, and my, my conundrum is this, and, and you, can, you can just, you can, I, I'll turn my back and you can stab your knife in, it doesn't matter. But this is my, this is my, my, my conundrum. I had, a, I had a man that went to church here one time and he, he said, I know why you wear a jacket, Pastor. I said, why is that? He said, because it hide all the knife wounds. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, not, not, not talking to any of you guys, but... Uh, uh, he was actually one. No, I was kidding. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, but uh, my my uh, my thought was this: is that my conundrum was this: is that 
Christianity is 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 a, is a, is a religion that, um, that speaks of power. It speaks of power. It speaks of power over death, hell, the grave, over sickness, disease, and fear. And if I'm going to shut down everything, what does that say to the people that I'm trying to preach that message to? Uh, you, can, you can use it. You can say it. You can twist it any way you want to. And I'm kind of simple-minded. But that's just the way I see it. Oh, and I, I'm not, I'm not going to throw any punches at anybody else out there if that's what they want to do. But as for me and my house, as what we're doing, as what the way we see it, my wife was telling me last night. She said, listen, there's no way if we're the only ones there tomorrow morning. I knew Brother Steele was going to be here. Hey, man, I knew Brother Roy was going to be here because we had a men's meeting yesterday and we had a few that were allying. There's the brother, brother Brewster. I knew he was going to be here. Hey, man, but... As for me and my house, my wife was saying, listen, if we shut this thing down, there's something that's happening down in here. My stomach would be tore up. But I think it's more than just my stomach would be tore up. I think it's that I understand that I'm giving vent to something that I shouldn't be giving vent to. I'm giving, I'm giving up some ground that is mine. Amen. I'm giving up some property that belongs to me. It's mine. It's my house. And it's my church. And it's my God and it's his power and my God is able my God is able my God is able my God is able hallelujah we serve a mighty God today we serve a mighty God today hallelujah 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 thank you Jesus Thank you, Jesus. We've got to get to the point to where we believe God over anything else. The church is the bride of Christ. Amen. She is the beloved of the Father. And she is the dwelling place of the Spirit. We are not a people of fear. We are a people of faith. Amen. Amen. Our faith is not grounded in fear. It is grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ and his sovereign rule over all creation. Amen. It's grounded in him. So when the world is afraid, what are we to do? We're to be strong and courageous because Jesus is our courage and strength. Amen. This is a time for the church to be the church. Amen. It's time for the church to rise up. Brother Steele said, man, back, when, back in the old church with the old folks, man, when something like they're coming out of the woods, we're going to church. Amen. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. When the world is hopeless, we are to be hope-filled people because our hope is in the one who defeated Sin and death. Your hope is in Him. When the world is scrambling listlessly, we are to be stable because the world says, the Word says, I cannot be. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. Because of you, this ministry is possible. 
If this encourages you, we ask that you subscribe to receive these podcasts or share them on your social stories and tag us at GPC Arkansas. I pray you have a good week.